Well, hello there. Even though the world seems to be heading in more of an authoritarian direction, there are societies that still tend to prioritize individual rights and freedoms, as well as the rule of law and a commitment to democratic processes. They are flawed, but still generally strive to exemplify the difference between the rule of law and the rule of men. On the other hand, there are also examples of conservative societies that have succeeded economically and socially, such as Singapore and South Korea. These societies tend to place a greater emphasis on what they consider tradition, family values, and social harmony, and may have some authoritarian forms of government. Though again, you'll always have that debate between I am distinct and unique versus I am a member of a family or a tribe. So if you're confused, you're not alone. And if you're not confused, you should be. If you're not at all confused by any of life's mysteries, then I don't think you've been paying enough attention to life's endless well of confusion, where we basically get everything that we have. There's a reason I could only go so far in giving you the exact definition of myself. It's similar to why no matter how hard I try, there's no truly universal answer that I could concoct for that great question, what is the meaning of life? My typical answer is that the meaning is to find your own meaning, which sounds nice, maybe even profound, but is still sort of a non-answer. And the fact is, some, if not most, or even all, societies are still recovering from the destruction that was World War II, in which literally millions of people were killed. You know, it was called the war that changed the world. Of course, you had another world war before that, with which uh, definitely took plenty of lives. And we've had plenty of wars since that have been as destructive and, you know, as world-changing as one might expect any conflict to be. So, you know, people struggle to recover from a spiritual and cultural sense of meaninglessness. You know, it's uh, it's always a trap to even refer to spiritualism because it sounds like nonsense to some of us. And of course, life itself, even though it seems profound, there's a lot of the profane that is a constant aspect of it. P. Day, or, uh, <laughs> P. D. Ospensky, a Russian philosopher, said it is only when we realize that life is taking us nowhere that it begins to have meaning. <laughs> so, yeah, that's one of those great quotes. I like to pepper these episodes with such statements. Still, the quest for meaning, for answers, I think has some people going down a darkened path not really learning the appropriate lessons from things like World War II and, of course, other conflicts and other great issues, once thought at least partially resolved, but for whatever reason, you know, currently unresolved still.
in at least many people's minds. There are little campaigns against minorities threatening to become big, full-on genocidal campaigns if they are not soon stopped. And in my opinion, there there is definitely a new, well, it's not really new, but it's a renewed effort at genocide that's making the news lately. And I'll, I'll leave you to guess what I'm referring to there, but I'm sure some of you are going to fully understand. There are many of uh, the same old tired patriotic arguments being made, you know, uh, in the United States. Other countries just see America's success as a threat to their way of life and and they're jealous. And, you know, if you don't love it, leave it. And, you know, uh, other countries are having those kinds of arguments too. Like if if you criticize this government, it means you support its enemies. You know, that's one of the regular talking points. It's something I heard when I was criticizing the Iraq war, for example, people would pretend that I was propping up Saddam Hussein or something like that. You know, all that kind of fun stuff. These old arguments are constantly falling apart, which is why the ideologies using them as a crutch are lashing out even harder. And even as some genuinely neo-fascist ambitions are unveiled, some are still too afraid or too distracted to take notice and act accordingly. And yes, even now, some Democrats are still too afraid to go after Republicans with messaging that truly debunks a lot of their very worst garbage, or they still fail to expose the absolute worst elements of the other side, so to speak, or use more compelling arguments and all of that kind of stuff. They just fail. And that's, you know, something I'm seeing with my very eyes right now and hearing with my very ears. (laughs) If you can't see any of this, just take a look at the mainstream reaction to so many oppressive Republican laws or many longstanding issues where the mainstream media simply can't even form an opinion, such as the domination of private property over public benefit, which many are, are afraid to address for risk of being labeled communists. You know, that scary, spooky word. Though, of course, one can oppose totalitarianism or capitalism and men, many tendencies toward authoritarian communism simultaneously. And yes, Republicans will accuse all Democrats, leftists, and liberals of being communists anyway, you know, and pretty much no matter what you do, even if you're a moderate, totally middle-of-the-road, ultra-conformist, they're still going to say you're a rabid Marxist. So you're going to lose either way if you're playing this game. So it's it's better to just finally say, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make criticisms of the system that I live under. I'm even going to make some awkward observations of our shortcomings. And sometimes you just have to let the, well, the dominoes fall where they may. You know, that's just the way it goes. Well, if you're, you know, wanting to actually have a discussion that's worth having instead of just recycling the same tired talking points. And, uh, the, the thing about the truth, like speaking accurately and being factual, 
is that you don't have to lie nearly as much, you know, you're, you're just telling it like it is. And that's one of the things that we are supposed to do, you know, that's called honesty. Of course, one of the great ironies is that in many cases, those accused of being commies in history were rejecting things like the Vietnam War precisely because of its authoritarian character. You know, at least some young men detested the war, and there were some people who, either through principle or cowardice, they apparently pretended to be gay to avoid the draft. Though, to be honest, I'm not sure how many of them could have or would have actually, you know, committed sodomy to get their point across, you know? Um, but it just goes to show you that some people were actually willing to change their identity rather than support this policy. Again, whether it was through principle or, you know, cowardice. And oddly enough, <laughs> I guess in an instant like that, instance like that, maybe, uh, maybe there was actually some intersection of those two things. You know, two things that we normally consider to be opposed to each other, being a coward and being principled, well, sometimes even those two things might have a point where they meet. So right now, it's clear which way the wind is blowing, and unfortunately, it is often in an authoritarian direction, as I've said. This isn't just a hypothetical debate. I'm not just engaging in some scare tactics. You know, the, the proof is right in front of our eyes. People all over the world have real and raw emotional responses to these kinds of issues, which is why they get heated and why we get discussions like the one over bizarre and inv invasive Republican laws that, frankly, were never going to ha happen under a more progressive cultural regime. And there is some food for thought there, even if it doesn't seem all that delicious or nutritious. Because sometimes things have to get worse before they get better. Some people are seeing what's happening and being snapped out of their general malaise. I do know people who pay attention to politics now who never used to in the past. This is because as the march toward fascism becomes more obvious and pronounced, more people are forced to realize it may impact them, their families, friends, neighbors, co-workers, or other people they have in their lives that they care about. It makes the following quote more relevant. Between stimulus and response, there is a space. In that space is our power to choose our response. In our response lies our growth and our freedom. That quote is often attributed to Stephen Covey or Victor E. Frankel. I discovered that quote while looking, while looking, looking uh, for a nice snappy quote to include in this episode. It's it's a juicy quote, and uh, you know, it really uh, goes well to this episode. I think walking. I'll have to remember that mistake. Jeez. Uh, anyway, being the way I am, I was definitely tempted to assess how true that quote is. To me, it doesn't seem to technically be wrong to mention our power to choose our response. It is a limited power, but a power nonetheless. Well, that is unless we truly have no choice and simply do 
whatever we are stimulated or triggered to do. But once again, the merits of a quote really depend on how you choose to look at it. And what's in it for you or the people, places, and things that you care about. Maybe all of my words here are completely meaningless, uh, equivalent to gibberish, of no more value than a fly buzzing near your ear. Again, a lot depends on you, even if you don't know it and never could know it. And that is really as good of an answer for the meaning of life as you'll ever find. Woo.